Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Don English Podcast. Actually, before we go any further with this episode, you may be wondering what howdy and y'all actually mean. It is important to know because I'll most likely use it at the beginning of every podcast. So howdy is a greeting we use in Texas and some other southern states that literally means how do you do just contracted. It is a bit more on the informal side, so do not use it with your boss right away. Now on to y'all, which is just a contraction of you all. In the South, we tend to differentiate between singular and plural, where in other states, they tend to use the regular you for singular and plural. So you may hear things like, how y'all doing? Y'all ready? Y'all want to eat something? Oh, and just in case you don't know, tend, the word tend, means to regularly do or behave in a certain way. I tend to eat ice cream for breakfast, for example. That's partially true. Not completely. <laughs> Anyways, now let's get to the episode. Today I will be introducing you to my home state to give you a little taste of some colorful Texan history. Now this is a history riddled or filled with betrayal, love, murder and cows. I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> Anyways, you will see what the history was like. Firstly, the name Texas comes from the word friend in a Native American language called cado. The Spanish took that word and threw an S on the end to make it plural. So Texas or Texas means friends. Which I have to say, we are pretty damn friendly people. We have what we call Southern hospitality. So guests are always welcomed with love in the South. By the way, a lot of times the Latino population in Texas is referred to as Tejano, while the rest would call themselves Texans. So now, as you can imagine, the Spanish were the first to really explore Texas. And then it was actually first settled by the French 
which didn't actually last that long because of internal struggle and just general poor planning by the French. So most of the French were either killed by enemies or they killed each other. Um, they also died of disease and a very small number of them actually joined various indigenous groups. The Spanish, seeing the threat of the growing population of French people in New France, which is the area of Louisiana um, and close to Texas. So the Spanish began to construct outposts and forts in the east of Texas from their main administrative center in San Antonio, which is the middle of Texas. San Antonio is probably most famous for a mission called the Alamo. Y'all will hear about the Alamo again later, I promise. Um, a mission in this case refers to missionaries, so people who are religious and sent to convert or change others to their religion. So this was all done to prevent any further French expansion into Texas. Um, during the early years of the Spanish settlements in Texas, the Spanish actually made pacts with a few tribes to fight off some of the other war tribes in the area. Well, the other more peaceful tribes often quote-unquote easily <laughs> converted to Christianity. At least uh, that is what they say. The religious zealots back then were not really known for their peaceful ways. So we can imagine what may have really happened to the indigenous. Anyways, in 1802, Napoleon sold Louisiana, which at the time went far north into modern-day USA, even across the border into modern-day Canada. They sold it to the colonists, the American colonists, and unfortunately, the boundaries between Texas and Louisiana were never really confirmed between the French and the Spanish. So the U.S. thought that Texas now belonged to them. Now this is when shit started to hit the fan. Which, if you haven't guessed, this means when a problem is starting. Um, so... By the way, this is very informal English, so uh, use this with people you know very well, not just any random person. Fighting between the Spanish and the U.S. would continue until 1819, when they reached an agreement 
and Spain gave Florida to the United States, while Spain was given undisputed or total control of Texas. Now, in 1821, Mexico got its independence from Spain. And because Texas was still a largely uninhabited area, there were at most a few thousand Hispanics living there at the time. Mexico gave the green light, or approved, that a man called Stephen Austin which the city of Austin is named after, to allow 300 families to settle in 200 acres of land. Which is a lot of land, if you don't understand acres. By 1832, Austin had several colonies with a grand total of 8,000 inhabitants. And if we include the other colonies that had been started in Texas, the total of U.S. people and European immigrants ended up at around 20,000. You may have noticed, too, that I am avoiding the word American. I do this because the continent is huge, and we are all Americans. (laughs) So if I ever use the term American... It is to talk about the people from the Americas, not just the USA, because, in fact, we are all Americans. Yeah. After a vicious coup by the Mexican general, Santa Ana in Mexico, Texans thought they were going to be living under a better, less strict government. However, after Stephen Austin was arrested for an apparent encouragement to start a rebellion, shit really began to hit the fan. Light battles began to take place, or happen, between Mexican troops and Texan militias, which led Texas to creating a provisional government in 1835, and then creating a declaration of independence from Mexico in 1836. Now, on October 2nd, 1835, there was the first encounter between the two forces, so the Texans and the Mexican army, at the Battle of Gonzales. The Mexican military wanted to go to Gonzales to get back or take back a cannon they had left the settlers to defend themselves against natives. But the Texans there refused to give the cannon back. In the small village, some of the Texan fighters held flags that said, Come and take it! With a picture of the cannon on it. We really loved to fight back, yes. So after a small skirmish or uh, brief attack, 
the Mexican troops withdrew or they chose to leave. So it was a small but still important victory for the Texans. I tell you this story because we still use this flag today. I even have a patch of the flag on my backpack. So the war really began to heighten when the famous siege of the Alamo began. Now, the Alamo is in San Antonio. So the plan for the Texans was to delay the Mexicans at the Alamo so they could muster up or gather an army to defend themselves at the Alamo and potentially defeat the Mexican army. But what ended up happening was that the fort was completely overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed by the Mexican forces and almost every single person was killed. Men, women, and children. It was a brutal slaughter that enraged or made the Texans very upset. After that, Texas and Mexico battled quite often, with Texas not doing so well due to lack of training and lack of supplies. But one day, Sam Houston, who was another general and who we have Houston, the city named after, if you didn't guess, <laughs> led a surprise attack and surprisingly caught General Santa Ana, which gave the Texans total victory over Mexico. Now hold up and wait a minute. I'd like to point out that there wasn't just white people living there and fighting for their freedom. In fact, Mexicans were already living there from when the Spanish colonies began. And many Mexicans even joined the fight because they were unhappy in Mexico. They also fought against the Mexican army to obtain their independence. So yeah, in fact, a lot of people with Mexican origins in the States were there before the white people which clearly a lot of white people in the United States don't understand or choose to ignore. Not to mention any names. <coughs> Trump. <coughs> so after all of this, and after the victory, for 10 long, long years... Texas was an independent country. Yes, that is right. We were in fact our own country. But the country was in terrible shape financially because of the war and lack of resources as well as an economy. So we tried to get some help from other countries, but nobody 
including the USA, wanted to help us out. Unfortunately, even after the war, Mexico was still attacking us occasionally. And there was also the issue that we might have, quote-unquote, stolen the land from natives, and they were in fact still attacking us. So it was a very hostile land for the settlers. Now, because of all of these unwanted attacks, Texas invented the famous Texas Rangers, who were basically a group of soldiers created to protect the settlements and who in the future would actually become like a special police force and perform investigations. Now, the Texas Rangers are also famous as a baseball team. And if you know the immortal man Chuck Norris, he also had a TV show called Walker the Texas Ranger where he was a crime-fighting badass police officer drop-kicking everyone in the face. (laughs) Okay, so in 1845... After 10 years of trying to join the USA, so during our 10 years of freedom, we were trying to join the USA anyways, probably to protect ourselves from Mexico, um, because we basically were a tiny country between two mammoth giants, so very big, powerful countries. So, annexation of the state was approved by the USA and Texas in 1846. So, in 1845, we started the procedure. 1846, it was finalized. So, Texas was officially a state within the Union. So, back then, we referred to the United States just as the Union, the Union of States. A little fun fact for you, Texas is the biggest state on mainland USA and the second biggest of all the states. No state can compete with Alaska. Alaska has the size of almost half of mainland USA anyways. So soon after, in the same year, um, the fighting began again over an area of land in the southern part of Texas near modern-day Mexico. This brought about the Mexican-American War. If you haven't noticed, we have had super-duper deep, tragic history with Mexico. And as you can see, It always has to do with the border, even today. Now, when I was living in Mexico, the people in the city I lived in, San Luis Potosi, told me that the word gringo, which basically means a white American that can't speak English, 
comes from the Mexicans actually shouting at the U.S. soldiers in the only few words that they knew in English. Gringo! 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 And over time, it turned into gringo. Whether it's true or not is debatable, but I personally like this story, so I'll just use this one. Anywho, let's get back to the story. In 1847, U.S. troops invaded Mexico City on September 14th, the day before their Independence Day, which I feel like is a total kick in the face because ain't nobody going to celebrate after that. On a side note, however, my birthday is also September 15th. So celebrating my birthday in Mexico is always amazing because I can pretend everyone is partying for the Independence Day is actually partying for me. Which, once I mention that it is my birthday, the tequila and beer flow like the mountains. Now, in early 1848, following the invasion of Mexico City, Mexico gave up its claim to Texas and also gave up huge areas of land to the USA, like New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, California, and Western Colorado. Let's take a quick minute to examine these names. They are all either Spanish, like Nevada, California, or Colorado, or indigenous, like Utah and Arizona. This really shows the vastness of the USA and how we need to remember that these lands were in fact inhabited by others before the USA became a nation. So, in 1861, Texas left the Union. This was the time of the Civil War, so the USA split into two. You had the North and the South. Um, so the Southern states were known as the Confederates, and the Northern states were known as the Union. Sam Houston, who was the governor, so he went, he was the old president of the Republic, now governor, refused to join the Confederates. So he was removed from office. Um, and then the, the state of Texas actually joined the South, the Confederates. Texas became one of the biggest suppliers for the Southern Army during the war, since it was quite far away from the North and hard for them to attack. Slavery was very common and in fact, a lot of the Southerners in other states would take their slaves to Texas so they wouldn't be taken into the North by the Union Army. During the war though, the South near the end was getting its butt served to them on a platter. This also means being heavily beaten. 
1865, Union troops arrived in East Texas and officially brought slavery to an end in the area. Now, after the war, in the 1870s, racial segregation and white supremacy were the norm. So the norm is the normal life. Uh, they implemented things like creating a poll tax, so a, a tax for voting for blacks. So it was made impossible for them to vote and refused to give proper funding for African-American schools. These laws or rules were a part of what we call Jim Crow laws. This was a set of laws specifically very racist and against um, any kind of African-American development. So if you're more interested in learning about Jim Crow and the laws, please let me know. I'd be happy to make an episode about it. On a side note, that isn't dealing with race. In 1901, oil was found in Texas. This opened up a new economic door for the state. And although the Great Depression hurt the economy, it really began to boom explode when the U.S. entered World War II and it still continues to grow today because oil is very important. In 1918, women in Texas won the right to vote. But at the same time, the dominant white parties made sure that African Americans and Latinos would still not be able to vote. This was called the white primaries, which basically means only whites could vote and could be seen throughout the southern states. So all southern states were practicing the white primaries. This was fought against many times, and it took until 1944 when the Supreme Court finally decided that what was being done was in fact, unconstitutional. And yes, you guessed it, completely racist. Although these changes had come into effect, the crafty, sneaky, not-so-good um, people in the South still discovered ways to stop African Americans from voting through discriminant liter literacy tests and changing some of the poll tax protocol. So they would basically tell black people that came to vote, you have to be able to read this text, for example, and if they couldn't read the text, then they weren't allowed to vote. And if that didn't work, they would also say, ah, well, you have to pay this much money to be able to vote for this specific um, position. So it, it, was very, it was very bad at this time. On November 22nd, 
1963, one of the greatest presidents we have ever had. JFK, or John F. Kennedy, was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. This was a terrible day for many people in the USA, especially for the Afro-American population, because he had been one of the only presidents to really start trying to push for equality in the USA. In fact, we have had three presidents from Texas, George Bush Sr., George Bush Jr. Jr. is the one most people know from 9-11 and Iraq and for having quite big ears. And finally, Lyndon B. Johnson, the president who replaced JFK after his death. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson did not really believe in the same philosophy as JFK, although he did try to fight for equality a little bit, but he did it more for selfish reasons, um, like to gain the votes. Anyways, well, there you have it. A brief history lesson about Texas. But before we end... I'd like to add that nowadays, Texas is striving towards equality. And while it may still be a bit unsafe for minorities to venture into small villages in the middle of nowhere, people are becoming more educated and trying to move past our racist past. Houston, for example, is one of the cities where I have seen the most interracial couples in the world which is bringing a beautiful new generation of mixed children that will help bind us together to show that culturally we can be accepting, that we can love each other. Also in Texas, it's very common for people to speak more than one language. So hate against other languages happens but is quite rare in Texas and just to show you it may be different than what you think according to the world population review there's actually more racism in the north nowadays than in the south so I know a lot of people when they learn about the USA they think the north was good or is good in the South is bad, or was bad, but to be honest, you find it everywhere. There's a, there's a subtle difference between the racism, but I generally find Texas, for example, not some other Southern states, but Texas to be very accepting, very loving, and you just see more equal opportunity. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast about Texas. And I cannot wait to bring you more interesting information coming from other parts of the world in other podcasts. So I'll see you next time here on Dawn English Podcast. <laughs>